Shame. Shame. Cersei 2. The last Cersei chapter of Dance of Dragons. We finally get to the walk of all walks. She's been released. How do you feel? What are your emotions as we finally... That was... I did not enjoy that. (laughs) That was not enjoyable. That's how I feel. What about you? I feel... I I love this chapter. I just feel like me reading this chapter felt really nostalgic because I just have such vivid memories of the first time I read it. And so I can't help but kind of feel some of those things as we read it today on the podcast. And I kind of forgot that it was coming in a weird way, you know? So... It was exciting. What was it like when you first read it? I just remember this chapter sticking out so deeply the first time I read it because I feel like in the chapter before, it's not like that we're marching towards this huge moment. It's really subtly hinted at and we kind of talk about it, but it's not kind of the buildup. And so this chapter came as such a surprise to me and just how beautifully written it is and just the whole course of her making her way through the city so it's just one of those experiences that I had reading the series that really sticks out to me and so coming back to it and getting a chance to live through it again after seeing the show mm-hmm. is a pretty cool experience and how many people would be there mm-hmm. you're like wait a second this was just us in a cell and Septa and Nella and not sleeping and dealing with a very, I'm thinking about the things that they've caught me for. I'm thinking about the things that they suspect, thinking about the evidence they have, who's come forward. I'm thinking about the gray eyes. Whoops, pause recorder. My bad. The backup file. We're still going to the main one. Uh, thinking about the flecks of uh, gray in the High Septon's eyes, High Sparrow's eyes when he's in that. I think it's Baylor's chamber. I might be wrong. The really simple one when he's mm-hmm. judging Cersei. Yeah. And uh, it seems a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Even sure. Even though you know it's coming, the Walk of Atonement and some kind of retribution. I'm, retribution might be the wrong word, but some kind of – she's going to have to pay for this in some way. You know it's coming. But, yeah, I can understand how this would come out at you. Do you think that it, it, you remembered it, it, that it made such more of an impact on you because something finally happened – Something really shitty happened to Cersei, and it's kind of a almost a cartoonish, cartoonish bad thing mm-hmm. where bad stuff happens to people like Brienne. And I'm trying to think of other Tyrion. Pretty much everybody. Pretty much else. everyone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Every, yeah. I'm thinking of even think physical of things like Jamie sure, getting his yeah. hand cut off. This is really yeah. bad stuff. But this is, uh, there's so much shame and uh, embarrassment and, and, a kind of punishment that it it doesn't seem like it should come from these people. And that's one, one reason why it makes it so much more cruel because they're supposed to be these religious, pious mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. And they're so mean. And how they have her cover with her robe while she walks through the temple yeah. to the sept yeah. so that the worshippers don't Bloody have to see her nakedness. Yeah, which I thought was really funny. You know, those but, people that are there at dawn are the ones we need to worry about. Who the hell are they? Well, Why we, are they all the way there? We have so much to dawn. talk about just in the faith in general and kind of what's next because we're at that last piece with this. But George, you blended. Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say, George, you blended 
those religious people. I'm, I I, gang, I drank ginkgo biloba today, and you it's not it? helping. No, oh, it's not dang, helping. Dang I go it. those religious people. You the juxtaposition of all these different layers is so satisfying, and uh, it sucks at the same time, which makes it. Like I said, I didn't enjoy that. There was no enjoyment mm-hmm. in, in the kind of stuff that she went through, even though so many of those moments were kind of hilarious in ways. Right. And it's just like, oh, man, that that's part of the juxtaposition I'm talking about. You did it all and packaged it well together and uh, gave it in this, like, uh, sort of cartoonish light. And you made it believable. There was only, like, one in- circumstance in this chapter where I was like, mm, I, I think that that's a little much on that line. What's I forget. That? I forget what it was. I'm, it's in here somewhere. I saved a lot of lines. Well, while you search for it, if you want, even, it. if it's even worth searching for it. Um, no, my point fell apart in my mouth like words, <laughs> like ashes in my mouth. Please continue. Well, just kind of going off what you said, I feel like this chapter and a reason why it stands out so much is because I feel like for the first time in quite some time, I actually really genuinely feel for Cersei. Mm. And I think that kind of through our reread process, I know I felt along the way a little bit more emotion towards her or just seeing where she's coming from more so in my reread than I did on my first read just because we're in the weeds a little bit more and we kind of understand where she's headed, yada, yada. But I feel like in this chapter specifically, whether I want to be or not, George does such a great job of us feeling pity, almost feeling pity for Cersei. I'm thinking about when she's standing at the steps thinking about when Ned was beheaded and she's like, Joffrey did this thing and I've basically been dealing with it ever since. Mm -hmm. You kind of forget all the stuff that she's done since then and kind of focus in on, oh, this is just a mom who's been playing defense because of her wild and out kid. And she's just been doing what she can to protect her family. I feel like they are, there are glimmers of that in this chapter that are a little bit more like you don't have to search for them or you don't have to like, try for them they're pretty heavily put in here to she kind of thinks feel of all the her. right things at the right places yeah yeah yeah. yeah. that's a good way to well put written it. well written and so which is exciting in a character like this after we've been through all the things that we've been through and it's a very emotional experience and you also she's handling this pretty powerfully as yeah, for she, a while there for the which I love that she kind of falls apart at the oh, end, but I she. <laughs> I wanted to look away. That's why I saved it and read it twice. <laughs> She's handling this really well, and that makes me curious and excited and looking forward to as we will get to what Cersei's path forward is in Winds of Winter what this whole event does for her because it's really powerful as a reader. It's really powerful for her as a character, for the city, for the faith. I mean, it's just a power move all around. It's something for them to do for sure. (laughs) They all are coming out of, they're like, she didn't go through flea bottom. And so they all came, the guy with the pus all over his face. Like they're all out here looking. All hail the royal teats. (laughs) That's funny. It is funny and it's also sad. But. It's a well-written chapter. Yeah, and it's it was it's different, mm-hmm. you know. It's so it's such a different exploration of someone's mind. I think it's the most. I saved all of them. I think it's the most. It's just the whole chapter is one highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the the. I think it's the most quotes, the most interior thoughts, like mm-hmm. italics, whatever the proper word for that is. Need to look that up. If you know what that is, please write us in. 
and let us know um, what what George calls them or what we sort of all agree colloquially is those are called. But I saved all of her uh, thoughts just to sort of read it and feel the chronology of her uh, self-talk. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how it ebbs and flows. And Give us a little us. preview. I am beautiful. They looked at Ned Stark the same way, though. There will be more and worse. Those creatures have no sweeter joy in life than jeering at their betters, or these creatures, rather. He wanted this. Him and the high sparrow, and the little rose as well, I do not doubt. I have sinned and must alone, or must atone, must parade my shame before the eyes of every beggar in the city. That's so mean. Of every beggar in the city. (laughs) They think that this will break my pride, that it will make an end to me, but they are wrong. I'm not afraid I'm a lioness. No one has ever died of wet feet. <laughs> have you? I, how many of us have not been in that situation, though? Oh, yeah, all the time. You know? Yeah, for sure. But not in this situation. Not not, not like this. not in and this situation. For it to be Cersei, it's just, uh, it's like that balance of all the, uh, you know, the way that I was saying that they were treating her, it's just not being fair coming from them. The, when you were talking about it being a mom that's on defense, Part of me can relate to that, and I'm sure we all can, because that's part of the reality here. And it's definitely the reality in some situations she would want you to think and remember of her. Mm -hmm. Ones where she needs your help. Right. But not when she has Robert Strong and Kyburn to help her. Kyburn who appears. Kyburn who she's not sure how he appears. He's not she's not sure how he appears out of nowhere, but he's he's there. Scurries right up to her side. Yeah. When she has power, she would be like no, I want you to know what I did. I want you to remember all those things that I did. I'm the best. I'm like my father. And I, it's hard for me to – I didn't really pity her in that moment mm-hmm. because of the Ned situation. It, that when, Whenever she's remembering those things, I'm remembering the mistakes that she made. And there's hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I can't I can't speak for everyone that would be in that situation. Luckily we don't have to be in that situation and talk about the the weight on your shoulders for small decisions whenever you're in that role. But that's kind of the the opposite force of getting to live with all that power and luxury. That mm-hmm. those decisions do auto or uh, eventually equate into those uh like uh those weights being settled because you got that for so long. Now this. And uh I don't know, I think that it's kind of it's less enjoyable knowing that she was in a position where she could have been nicer. She could have used her power to be a person that was more strategic and less personally affronting. But like the High Sparrow in his cold, slow, and measured out way, except to Nella, in the way that she does it as well, she cracks a little bit easier as far as being a rude ass compared compared to him you know like she can't she can't help but to be a little bit mean to Cersei because she just hates everything about her right the pleasure that they take in being mean to her is basically what I'm trying to get at she did the same to other people right when she didn't have to just because they it's like when she was pinching Tyrion when he was a baby it's like do you really have to be so mean do you really have to be so unchecked or in this Oof. chapter when she's when she's seeing all the faces of people that she's known. She sees Sansa and Ned and her dad. And then she f- sees her friend that she threw down the well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so totally. And she That's fucked up. But that's to why kill she, someone. That's why she's in <laughs> this situation. Worse than being rude. Yeah, it is. <laughs> or whatever you <laughs> phrase you used. Um but that's why she's in this situation. So she's sitting there 
the in th- all through the night and that morning and she's thinking about her options and this is her only option because she can't go to trial and do a real trial because she thinks about how she has no friends the high sparrow is not her friend all of the septas and none of them are on her side she doesn't have any contacts because she's been not even lancel not even lancel but he's gonna regret this whereas somebody like marjorie who has friends and who's able to sit trial because she's probably it's not even about money necessarily though though. they do got it but and even even if her whole vibe is 100 percent fake Mm -hmm. she's navigating it whereas cersei was just mad about it mad about it and now she has to be here this is this is her one option and either it's it's either going to continue to fuel her desire to bring everyone and everything down in flames mm-hmm. or maybe and even saying this i know it's not the case it's going to turn a new leaf for Ooh. her <laughs> I'm beautiful music yeah <laughs> she somehow gracefully Golden enamel. gracefully bows out and lets her sweet boy king try to navigate the rest i know that that's not the case but you know she kind of, it's like you're saying she put herself in this situation and now she has to deal with the consequences and the consequence is one of the worst things ever which is her having to bear her body her one beauty her thing that she holds so dear her crown her looks everything and everyone's her like you look like my mom in that role yeah you know my mom has what did he say I forget sags less. It's like why are you looking Something at your like mom, that. brother? <laughs> <laughs> but you know she's pa- she's powerless, and everybody has seen everything. So what does she have left? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, let them see it, you know. But I get it. The worst the worst thing for me is stepping in shit with open wounds. <sighs> Spoken personal gotta, experience. It's not good. Has that actually happened to you? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah, for sure. With open wounds and everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. When's the last time that happened? When I was a little kid. Okay. I was. Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure, like it. living in the streets Sorry, of NYC. If, that visual. If uh, it wasn't like cut up, you know, it doesn't matter. Went right to a bathtub though. I quick. can imagine that <laughs> whole thing, but it, to me, it seems like she's playing the game slower than everyone else. The game changes around her, and a new character like Marjorie is there to sort of naturally fall in position of being the evolved player, not just someone with younger skin, but someone who is able to be more aware of the surroundings because she was in a position of lower state or of lower uh, status while the game has been changing, whereas Cersei has been locked inside of that hold fast yeah. while the game has been changing. So she's been less aware of it happening around her. Plus, she's getting less hot each day for <laughs> most. Add that up and it's... a I mean, it's kind of going to be hard to beat Marjorie unless you are paying attention to how things are and you're willing and to, to do has. what you were saying, willing to navigate it as yeah. well as Marjorie is. So this is just a natural conclusion, a natural evolution of the form, really. Mm-hmm. And she's always been playing a different game than everybody else. Talking about Cersei? Yeah. Yeah, she's been – I mean, it's it's like the story at the beginning of the chapter with uh, her and Jamie looking at the lions at Casterly Rock. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, – Okay, well, congratulations. You are the lord of the edge. Right, exactly. Good job. <laughs> you are. You've you're got it. so strong and brave, just like every man you've ever known. Do you feel like there's a more important aspect of it that's connected to her resenting the fact that she has been put in this? And this may be a less interesting thing to talk about because it's just sad, but 
resenting the fact that she's put in the sort of automatically subservient role to a man by being a woman. A million percent. And, and we see— she's just angry and radiating that out for her whole life. A million percent. Mm. And we see so often her inner monologue talking about how she should be the one with the sword in her hand. Or she's the one who's most like her father. Or she's the smarter one. Mm. And I think that she totally has a chip on her shoulder— whether it's from that whole prophecy experience or any of these experiences she had as a kid, she doesn't think the rules apply to her. And so she feels like, why. I don't know, that's a good question. But so she, I think she, A, feels like the rules, she's above the rules, and B, I think she's just very bitter almost about the fact that if the rules don't apply to me like I think they don't, how come I'm being put in this sec- quote-unquote second class position and why can't I just be the one that's raining down chaos and all of that kind of thing but at the same time this whole time she's thinking about why hasn't Jamie come for me she's looking for him so she so weird she wants that power and she wants to be regarded in the same way and to fight for herself and defend herself and off, and in this chapter, I think she shows that resolve and the guts that she has to be able to walk through with her head held high. She doesn't cower, but she is human, and so she's thinking about the person that she loves, and she's thinking about how she handles the situation going forward. I don't know if that kind of trails off at the end. Start daydreaming but. about Jamie. A little. Holding her as she came out of the womb. How beautiful that is. Well, you know how weird it, I, when they go down to shave her and like yeah. the septa is kneeling in front of her and she's like, oh man, Jamie. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's been a while since someone's yeah. touched her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. It's so revealing of where people's brains go in those moments. I mean, that's it's what George is aware of as he's writing it, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And so trying to make those connections for us. It's kind of like the the... I'm going to have to read this again and again to really figure out if he's uh, gone as far as to – I know that there's a movement along the course of this of her – not necessarily her sanity but her resolve breaking down in different ways Mm -hmm. and her self-exploration widening in different ways. But I'm also curious if there's a geographic element to where she she is in the city. I know that she looks at – Visenius Hill is a – is like a – sort of a proper noun that stuck out to me for no wasn't re- any real reason to be very specific of that. And then there was the anecdote about Baylor as well, mm-hmm. that she eventually merged into her personal story and saying like, oh, he'd freak out right now if he saw my, my tits. That'd be too much for him. Right. He would have to look away. He couldn't even come out here and see this. It's just there was so much specific exploration of uh, those proper nouns. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think that there had to be. I'm wondering within the geography and not only the geography, but like the reference to those people in the past, how specific to her progress of, of letting herself become different and being being punished at the same time. Yeah. That it was much like I, I, I'm saying the, the thought of Jamie being triggered by something is revealing. Like how revealing is her course through this in the chapter? How deep did George go? Right. What What's the say. history kind of behind? Yeah. That's a good and question. Sorry to everyone. I didn't go deep enough in this read for this <laughs> podcast for it, but uh, we have like years for the next book to come out. So that's a really good More question because she thinks about her, is it her grandfather? Yeah. Whose mm-hmm. mistress gets walked through the 
not King's Landing, but Casterly Rock, Rock yeah. when she gets sent home and Cersei doesn't name her the by name. The same thing happens to her, she though. Doesn't you rem- got to say that. But that's what I'm saying is yeah. like she's thinking back on history like you're talking about. She's thinking back on history yeah. and what happened to this woman who had everything, the power, the money, the jewels, you know, the the ear of the of the guy. Warden of the West. Yeah. Her name, nobody remembers her name. And I think that's something that would terrify Cersei. And so mm. maybe too, as you're saying, you know, we're winding through these places that have meaning or anything um, geographically. I think also this story could maybe be part of that as well. Of like, this is a look at what might happen to Cersei in the future as somebody whose name is forgotten. Ooh. When she's so Ooh. tied up in her own world that's rough battle yeah but i I don't know i guess it's not that important to be remembered at the same time but to cersei it it is for us as normal people who understand that (laughs) that's just how life goes but um she just gets swept up and so the thing that i just was thinking so much during this chapter as we're moving this momentum is what happens next because we see from the tv show that she makes a lot of powerful moves and then basically dies it all happens so fast yeah and so i'm curious on your thoughts what your read is now that she's got sir robert strong and she's gone through this experience what her vibe is going to be like on the other side and what her priorities are going to be on the other side and what happens next? I think it's going to be the difference between eating a slapdash, no effort, maybe even no prep. I was going to say no bake, but now I'm thinking about desserts. Think of just about a dish that is not all that, but it's enough to get you through. Mm-hmm. Like canned chicken or something. Right. My dog would freak out for that, though. So that's a <laughs> perspective. A little bit of perspective. He'd be like, holy shit, leave the fluids in there. Um, or something that is so intricate in flavor and designed specifically for you. And maybe that's taking it too far, but at least very intricate in flavor. And with with choices that in, inform the the flavor, that's referencing the creation of the thing itself. Like there's a reason for all the things, not just because I thought this would taste good, but I've been building up to this. I think that's what, first off, we're just going to experience from Cersei no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if we just took this chapter in context and compared it, I hate to rack on the show. I think they did a pretty good job. But, I mean, read this chapter and compare it to watching it. And I know that. This scene specifically, I feel like. What were you going to say? When you're saying they did a good job, I think, yeah, this scene specifically. Yeah, they did a good job with the scene, but I just think the book is so much more powerful. One million percent. It's just the imagery in it and the what the, what we're able to do with the moments and then like what we we're just talking about, the references within the moments to sort of pause time and reflect and time travel and to think about Ned on top of that hill. It's just things we couldn't really do in the show. And I mean, these are obvious points, but because of that, I think it made this so much more special to me because it is so good, you know, and Thinking about the rest of it, like the way you just described it made me kind of feel like, mm. it made me fall a little bit flat because I'm like, yeah, she does just die. But there's a lot that happens in between that kind of gets blended together. But whatever it is, I think it's going to be 
hopefully so well scaffolded that mm-hmm. it's like we won't be able to forget it. Well, we're going to have know? a lot more space and time between us getting to that point than we did in the in the TV show when everything kind of the last two seasons were just so crammed so quickly that we didn't really get a lot of the narrative. But we're going to have plenty of time to be in Cersei's head as she complains about every person. Yeah, exactly. Under the sun, you know? <laughs> complains and plots and positions and probably around the end of T-Wow ends up doing something like blowing up the Sept. It Do seems think, like it's going to be that. You think that she will continue down that path? I'm not sure. Or something similar? I'm not sure. I, th- I know that there's a lot more going on with Fagan and uh, the Sand Snakes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm curious as to how that will impact her plotting right but it seems like all that setup she may get be able to get her revenge but at the same time she's been losing her grip so much leading up to this point right it's hard to really know and um it's hard not to take the show's confidence in their choices as a bit of a litmus and just to ignore all the other potential theorizing but um like i said she has been losing her grip and she's eventually or uh, she eventually got led to be doing this so it's how much confidence do i really need to have in her for sure but at the same time, they're, and I love that this is the last chapter that we have. Like, what a cliffhanger for Cersei for it I to know. be Kyburn walking beside her and fucking brought back from the dead, Gregor Clegane. Yeah, lifting her up massive, like she's a baby. Massive. Uh-huh. I mean, holy Probably crap. Probably taking her to a warm bath. She goes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's how I'm imagining she yeah. said it at the end. After all that. I mean, not a bad trade. Well, because it's almost like nothing happened. I mean, that's the thing. She's got her two guys. Disinfecting herself and taking a shower. I mean, that's the thing. Honestly, at the current time, at least in our culture, now I'm thinking about when George wrote this, it was different. It was headed in that direction. But in our culture right now, you're almost rewarded more for being cringy. So I feel like if she had done that now— there would be such a massive outburst of support for her because yeah. she's powerful in right. all these different ways right. because she was honest. She was herself. She was raw. She stuck her neck out there. And I think that we've seen this amalgamated in so many different ways. Long list of stuff that has nothing to do with this book, but just pay attention to the tides and how they seem to be ebbing and flowing. So I don't think that she's really written herself off because they've seen her naked. <laughs> just seems like a limited perspective. Where she puts power clearly is not always where power is of course you know of course and that's but and it's not necessarily about them seeing her naked it's about her being stripped of any of the pomp and circumstance that shrouds these i mean her title is so is just a title and she's barely hanging on by a thread and so all she's got is her beauty or her mystery yeah and I think that this takes some of her that. Her regard. Her regard, yeah. It takes some of that away. So her but. regard has been diminished. But now from the ashes can rise Cersei with those epaulets that she's like, I know you've all seen it. Yeah. Just <laughs> like it. every person that we know in the popular culture that's like Kim, that's yeah. been Kim Kardashian, that's been. First name basis. Yeah. That's been <laughs> shown and has shown herself or whatever, whatever. And, you know, and is also like, now look at me. Get a law degree. It's mm-hmm. it's more effective almost if you come back from that. And right. If Cersei knew that, maybe she'd make a sport of it. She's like, I'm going to embarrass myself more often. Right. But to that degree, I get it. It's just funny that, you know, that's the that's the position that we're at now. That the sort of changing of how things need to be is being forced because all the change is being forced. 
So we're watching it happen with in King's Landing with the sparrows, with the the faith sort of being taken over by other people. The, like the power shifting, it's basically doing the same thing, but we're we're choosing to use it more effectively. And they've always used it ever since we've learned about the history of Westeros. Those people that have been able to congregate, whether in Old Town or whether now in King's Landing, against. Uh, rival forces like the Targaryens when they came, for example, that seem to have power that m- can match theirs. And if it if it over if it overshoots their power, they still try to use that connection to all the people to try to get something out of you. That's politics, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that opportunity that's still there is open when there's all of this disjointedness in the actual ruling family itself. So. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be change, and the more violent they are, the more they're going to be able to shake it up, and the more they're able to shake up is based on how disjointed you guys actually are. Meanwhile, you're being invaded, and it's going to start happening physically instead of just figuratively, and the snow is going to start falling. Right. And so it's like a perfect sort of storm of all these things happening, and so, of course, this change is being forced very quickly. So in the grand scheme, Cersei walking, you know, is very it makes very much sense and i think that she i know that they've only seemingly got her for things like adultery but i would be stoked if i were her that this is all that they were able to keep me like that that the power has changed so much here that they could kill me if they wanted to and they haven't Mm -hmm. there's still a chance for something I would be stoked if I were her. But she seemed to make it through the walk based on um, feeling superior and like leaning on that superiority rather than thinking about how much it doesn't matter. There was a little bit of that. What do you think about that? Well, the faith have got to know that too. It's no way they just let her go being like Cersei absolutely repented. She's a changed woman. (laughs) And so – that decision that they made to let her go in that way and to basically fuel her. Basically what I'm at, what I'm trying to get at is they knew what was going on. It's not like they, it's kind of what you're talking about the other day with the house of black and white with Aria. It's like they, the faith aren't, oblivious enough to think that Cersei is a changed woman and so they're letting her go so what's the what's the move are they banking on this idea that this is a huge flex of power from their part because the Dowager Queen is walking through the city repenting for her sins so is that them trying to win over people and being like well that's really where the seat of power is hoping that there will be more to rally for their cause Or are they, is there some other thing that's happening that they're trying to manipulate the situation? Because as their power continues to grow, even if this was just a show, even for them on their part, this is just all part of the game. As their power continues to grow, as chaos continues to swirl and get worse Swirls ahead good. of all of the stuff that you're talking about, what's their, are they trying to take over? Are they going to... Are they going to put on for somebody who comes in to try to take the city? Or are they going to do their own thing? Are they going to align with anybody? I don't know the answer to those questions. But they are armed and they 
have the most powerful people in King's Landing seemingly under their thumb. What do you think? The same question that you asked me. What, what do you think <laughs> is in Cersei's After future? After my long soliloquy, you just throw it right back at me. <laughs> well, more specifically, what do you think that she's going to do now that she's... On the other side. Yeah, after she gets cleaned up, you know, like, what's the next T-Wow Cersei? I mean, I think that she is going to continue to think that she holds more power than she actually does. I think that she's going to continue to mess around with Sir Robert Strong and Kyburn and that whole trial by combat, whatever actually comes out of it on the other side. I don't see her winning trial by combat and then just living her life. I think that there will continue to be some sort of consequences, whether it's, and I think eventually she'll be either driven out or killed or into hiding or like whatever into like some sort of thing and so um how that happens and what the cadence is i'm not 100 percent sure mm. whether it's like i was saying i'm getting jumbled whether it's the trial by combat thing that pushes her you think it's all done by t- the end of t-wow though no maybe not necessarily i'm thinking long term so whether it's like the trial by combat or whether somebody invades mm-hmm. and she has to get out or things like that i think someone could invade by let's say it's Fagan by the end of T Wow. That's so, part of it. So you think she's got a whole book to be Well, we only have two books left. I think that's important to think doing about. Doing her thing. She's just getting walk walked back from the atonement in her last chapter in dance. So mm-hmm. where does that put us in George's typical style? It seems to me like the conflict in King's Landing, the that's coming from how they treated her here will be the point of the next book. And then the final one will be dealing with whatever Westeros is dealing with as it comes to a close, Mm -hmm. if she's still alive, which would include people that we know more intimately making it to King's Landing probably. Right. And then her being killed by a dragon. Do you think that that's how it's going to go? Probably. Yeah. I think that the, the more they read the prophecy, it just seems like it's about Danny. I need to look up the prophecy really quick. <laughs> Read it. If I got it. I don't think I saved it. This is the emo lyric that I thought George was a little a little uh early uh newsletter short story on. He goes, His kisses were always warm. The razor was ice cold. That was so weird. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Okay, and when your tears have drowned you, the Valencar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. So what I was thinking... I was talking about Maggie the Frogs as well. That is Maggie the Frogs. I meant the the one about the young queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you read that? That's the second half of this that I didn't pull up. Yeah. Hold on. You'll be queen for a time. Then comes another, younger, more beautiful, to cast you down and take all you hold dear. The king will have 20 children and you will have three. Gods will be their crowns. Wait, gold will be their crowns. Whatever. (laughs) I'm trying to read this off a... off somebody's they made like screenshot. a no it's not even a screenshot they made like you art. know yeah they yeah. made art with the text and it's yeah. not doing it for me um so much of graffiti that on my street I, if the if the finale had been good it would be on the street right now in graffiti well someone just like put the text somewhere instead of like doing what they're doing cersei prophecy book quote like what else do Look i need to Maggie find the frog prophecy <laughs> 
All the scum had come out to see a queen brought low. Also, shout out to Theodan for walking with Cersei, king under the mountain. Okay, the beginning, the part that you're talking about is this part when she says, Queen you shall be until there comes another younger and more beautiful to cast you down and take all that you hold dear. That's that with part of the prophecy that you're referencing. And then I was thinking about the part of, and when your tears have drowned you, the Valonqar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. So we're talking about what's going to happen to Cersei and you say she's going to get killed by a dragon like she did in the show. Or wait, she didn't get killed by a dragon. She just Rubble. got fall, fell under everything. Yeah. Um, what I was trying to say is this is not. This is my like theory. Randomly, is that the Valonqar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. I kind of like this idea, and it doesn't necessarily fit into anything. But I was thinking as I read this chapter, I kind of like this idea of Cersei being chased out in some way. Whether it's like I was trying to say, whether it's because of the trial or any of the stuff with the faith, or because there's other people in the mix, or xyz million different reasons and then she's back on casterly rock and then she fades into obscurity and Whoa. nobody's listening to what she's saying and she doesn't have any power and so oh, that's, that's like fucking dark the- <laughs> man Jesus. but that's like the the life being choked out from her oh you know what i mean god to me that's Oof. that's cold sure but i feel like that's like know. this walk it's like it's like it, you know you've done worse we could just take care of you and maybe everyone would be better off for it. Right. Except for that would be mess- really messed up. But instead, we're just going to make you walk and cut up your feet. I mean, yeah, you're going to be really, you're going to be more embarrassed than most people ever will be ever of all time. Ever of all time. I mean, it's not like people already didn't have rumors going around about you and your brother and like they didn't uh, approve of how you governed and all that. Fine. But they're going to literally see it now. They're going to see it all. And it's kind of like that whenever, let's say it's Danny or anyone or her own her own design in the next book it has her just removed. Basically, that's like you said, you say flee. Yeah, she leaves or she's exiled or something. Mm. And fades into obscurity. I feel like that would be really sad for her. Jeez. I mean, there's also, you what know, if who... there was no more, sorry to interrupt, what if there's no more chapters? <laughs> what if just mid yeah. T-Wild, like, and we're done <laughs> with Cersei? <laughs> It's like, oh, God, that's cool. I mean, you know, there's all the theories about who the Valonqar is and how Jamie is going to play into that and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing and how who's actually going to do the deed. But it might be interesting if that's more of a um, suggestion or not a suggestion, but like more of a uh, what's the word I'm thinking of metaphor than actually something real that she thinks like then her actually getting choked. Anyway, whatever. That's just what I was thinking about as what could happen to her next because I do think we're talking about how quickly everything happened in the show. We didn't really get a chance to explore a lot of what's happening with her other than her whole thing with Sir Robert Strong being him standing over her as she's saying things to people. And so um, I think that in that space, either we'll lose any sort of like she's not going to have any redemptive qualities, and like she's not going to come out this the other side having redeemed herself. And so she, like I was asking at the beginning, become a changed woman. Mm. And so we're not going to feel bad whenever whatever 
ends up happening. Or maybe we will because George R. R. Martin is a really great writer and we feel bad for him. I felt bad for him, for her in this a couple points along the way. In You're chapter. like, I feel bad for him for everyone getting mad at him for not writing T-Wow, no. <laughs> but he brings this upon himself. <laughs> no. Instead of feeling bad for her, we will feel bad if she gets her revenge in some way in the next book. We're going to feel bad because she shouldn't be in this situation. This She shouldn't be in this situation? The back room scheming that she did to set up that lifeline with Kyburn wasn't not everyone was aware of it. You know what I mean? It wasn't at the forefront. Even Kevin, Kevin helped, and he may not have no idea what he helped seed. You know? And so we're going to feel, instead of instead of feeling like she's getting them back and cheering for her because they made her do this. They shamed her in such a nasty way. They lie about being religious. They're doing the same thing that she does. Mm -hmm. They're just playing at the edge of power, pretending and pretending and pretending and keeping what margins they can and sparing the ones that they have to in order to retain their position. And then they made her do that. We don't want we don't want them to succeed. We want them to hurt, right? But her in that situation, it's basically she's she has that same scenario for herself. With it's like, well, you don't really also deserve to get them back right? on top of what you've done. But worse than that, she's going to make us, she's going to make them feel exponentially worse than they made her feel. Do you, do you think so? If she gets the opportunity, she's going to rip that woman's tongue out of her head. 1,000% with her bare hands. Or make Robert do it while she watches and yeah. eats an apple, drinks wine. Right. Damn, you know what I'm saying? Like it's going to be we're, the feeling that we're going to get. It, what made me think about it was when you were talking about the emotions that we're, we may not feel for her if the exile happens. I think that because ultimately what they're trying to do writing these books is to pilot our emotions, to take us on a roller coaster ride that they think would be interesting while also, I guess, having their own personal desires about art and culture expressed through it. But ultimately, I think designing something that's enjoyable is a big part of what he's doing. This could just be another expression of how raw and kind of crappy the world of A Song of Ice and Fire is. We get all the way this far and through Cersei, who we still, you know, like because she's Cersei, but we don't like her, you know? You mm-hmm. furrowed your brow. I'm like, I guess we don't really like her, but she's Cersei. <laughs> I kind of like Cersei, right. she's one but of I our don't. P- she's one of, of our course. POVs. Exactly. But to be in that position and to... To get them back on such a degree, like she she may not only kill them, but she may torture them in ways that is just mm, bad, right. bad, bad, bad. And she holds just enough power still. And we're going to feel that. And we're going to be like, ugh. Right. That's gross. Right. So that might be in our future too. She's, I just keep thinking about Sir Robert Strong picking her up and cradling her like a baby. I mean, she's got the people on her side to be able to, to do that. And so I, I guess one of what I'm realizing, what my question is Mm -hmm. to you is, do you think that she holds enough sway for anything she's doing to actually matter in the be all end all? Or do you think she's just more of like an agent of chaos where she is just swirled in the middle of the drama of King's Landing and kind of perpetuating all of that while the game is being played high or somebody else somewhere else you know like this is not the thing cersei's not the point or the place or the thing cersei's just 
the background chaotic this is so wild that these things are happening and she's able to actually cut her tongue out or do you think she's going to make some sort of real impact on how things play out Uh, she has made a really big impact and i think that she will continue to make an impact i think that that she is part chaos part intuition and then at a certain point she just gets so boiled especially when other people are involved she just gets so boiled that she's like screw it you know just whatever whatever and i think we all know characters people that have aspects of that maybe that don't define them completely but we know that that limit exists in some folks and uh you know, that just comes from a lack of self-discipline, I think. And she hasn't really ever had to do that. Right. And I don't know. I don't think that this walk was intense enough for her to express any of it, judging by the end of the chapter. Even with her running up the steps? I mean, she just wanted to get away from it. That's just, we'll read that, but good Lord, man. Crawling up the steps on all fours. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it is. Absolutely insane. But yeah, I don't think that I think that that chaos is uh is can be harnessed and it's a ladder. It can be harnessed and used. It can be really useful. And maybe she would be really useful with the sword in her hand. I would argue that she could be even more useful in her position or could have been if she would have used a pen like her dad a little bit more effectively than trying to use a sword like her brother. But um well, so that's what I'm saying about, like, the chaos is useful. So who's using that? Like, Varys using it to sow discord Ooh. in King's Landing, you know? So you're talking about someone else using her chaos? That's what I'm wondering. I'm just asking. I don't know if... Think of it like Joffrey whenever he was on the uh, decept with uh, Ned. And he just, like, he took the vibe to a new level. And, yeah, and he got caught he up he rode the, the wave. Yeah. yeah. I think that she's likely to be in that same scenario whenever someone else becomes involved. I think that they get lit up by other people potentially messing with their power of choice. And so instead of compromising, they've they fucked things up Yeah, on a real level. So I think that whenever that starts to happen, if it seems like outside forces are able to actually get some kind of a leg, I think she's going to be reminded what happened with these faith militant. She's going to be like, I'm going to make a difference. Does that answer your question? I think she's going to, she's going to literally to, she's going to literally go for what you asked just to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make a difference. So kind of in the way that she's very focused on Tyrion being the root of her problems, kind of put the faith in that same category. The faith or anyone that's trying to, uh, trying to hit her up. Yeah. Even as a friend, I think she's going to just, she's going to be too reminded by those things. Like, no, th- nope. She's got her squad of three, her, Kyburn. Yeah. You know, when she thinks of Jamie and Brienne, that's, uh, if you ever loved me, that's so deep, you know? I know. It's so deep. And yeah, I just love that it's connected to Brienne, obviously, because she knows Jamie. She's like, he wouldn't be doing this unless there was a woman involved, unless there was some woman out there helping him understand his spirit, who he is, and uh, projecting a person that I guess he likes more than the one that she projected. But yeah, that sort of what you said, that last-ditch effort of, uh, if you ever loved me, 
Such an interesting perspective. Jamie may still yet come. She thinks about that in the morning as the sun rises. She thinks about that as she's walking through the streets. She's looking around for him. That's her twin. Jamie's going to be here. But Jamie's not doing that. What a connection. Being in romantic love with your twin, huh? Talk about. (laughs) God. (laughs) But obviously not that great of a connection. I mean, dude, she, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> you only it's like come on man one other thing we're talking about people's motives and vibes and desires and needs that at the beginning of that chapter we get or sometime near the beginning of the chapter we get that slip in about Littlefinger trying to marry Sansa oh yeah and Cersei's like she's too highborn for you basically but just kind of a reminder of what either Littlefinger is what, what his like Achilles heel is, yeah, or what he's actually in some calculated way trying to work towards. How, but how is Sansa his Achilles heel? I don't understand that. Because I, I, I think that, that Sansa's like the down, like the his blind spot. You know, did he ask Cersei if he could marry Sansa because he was calculated and planned his move, or, or did he get it, or because he just Hoped. was like, oh, can I marry her? You know, like, you're right I about that. It's, you know? He's usually playing really smart. Yeah. And she's like, he's not really that, he's not reaching that much. Then all of a sudden he's like, can I marry Ned Stark's daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is like. Yeah, you're, okay, you're right. As she her is being his downfall. his downfall. What a mistake. So. I guess it didn't go anywhere. It's the first we're hearing about it, you know? For sure, but kind of thinking about in the future. Didn't judge him too bad for it, I meant. Obviously right. they didn't get married. Right. But, but in the future, is that just like, Oh, a little tidbit to, from Littlefinger still out here, and this is the stuff he cares about. It is a ladder. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to read some more of these quotes. A little walk and I'll be home. I'll be back with Tommen in my own chamber inside Magor's Holdfast. I could still refuse. I could still insist upon my innocence and hazard all upon a trial. If Jamie had not lost his hand, dot, dot, dot. He loves me. He will not refuse his own mother. This is about Tommen now. Joff was stubborn <laughs> and unpredictable, but Tommen is a good little boy, a good little king. He will do as he's told. It's just so interesting to go through all of it. It is not so far. I'm a lioness. I'm not cringe for them. Can I'm, we read that? I must keep walking. That last paragraph? No, the Ned Stark stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think you should read the morning air thick with the old Oh, yeah. Should I read it? Yeah. Here's a fantastic quote. The morning air was thick with the old familiar stinks of King's Landing. She breathed in the scents of sour wine, baking bread, rotting fish, and night soil. Smoke and sweat and horse piss. No flower had ever smelled so sweet. You know what that feels like, though. Oh, yeah. You know? 100%. Gasoline. Lawnmowers. It smells like home. I'm like, oh, yeah. I like the smell of that. I like... A little bit later it goes, it came to her suddenly that she had stood in the very spot before on the day Lord Eddard Stark had lost his head. That was not supposed to happen. Joff was supposed to spare his life and send him to the wall. Stark's eldest son would have followed him as Lord of Winterfell, but Sansa would have stayed at court a hostage. Varys and Littlefinger had worked out the terms, and Ned Stark had swallowed his precious honor and confessed his treason to save his daughter's empty little head. (laughs) Dot, 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 dot. Instead, Joff had commanded that Stark's head be struck off, and Lord Janos Slint and Sir Illyn Payne had hastened to obey. I was just there, the queen recalled, gazing at the spot. Janos Slint had lifted Ned Stark's head by the hair, and his life's blood flowed down the steps, and after that there was no turning back. 
The memory seemed so distant. Joffrey was dead and all the Stark sons as well. Even her father had perished. There, And here she stood on the steps of the Great Sept again. Only this time it was the mobs. It was her the mob was staring at, not Eddard Stark. <laughs> I don't know what it is about... As somebody who is deeply into nostalgia, I just feel she's in that moment and she's just thinking about all the things that could have happened differently mm-hmm. and what could have been and Rob would have been in Winterfell and Sansa would have been parading around King's Landing and things would have been very, very different. Yeah, better. For sure better. Maybe a little bit boring. Listen, that chaos element, that sort of feeling to just do what I was talking about that she likes to do where you feel a little bit that self-discipline doesn't kick in and you're like, you know what? I'm going to just knock over this table. I'm going (laughs) to knock this thing over or whatever. (laughs) You know, it might seem like the right idea, but miscontributing to the vibe is always the wrong choice. I, I, it's always the wrong choice. Even if there's an opportunity within it to get something Look at look at this. Right. Look at it. I know it's just a book, but think about it, y'all. Not what you want. And I know it seems worse that these people that annoyed you so much on the way back home, <laughs> you know, get to just be in King's Landing, the whole Tower of the Hand, while I, gotta, while I gotta hang with Robert. Some of them screaming, Stannis, yeah. in the crowd. That made me laugh for no reason. But, you know, Rob being alive in Winterfell, Sansa strutting around King's Landing thinking she's just as cool as you is definitely annoying. But look at how much happier everyone is and look how much better prepared we would have been for Winter, right? for Daenerys, for Aegon. Think about it, y'all. It would have been a whole different thing. It would have been a whole different thing. It's just cool to, at the end of what we know in the published works, Mm -hmm. to be, this is in the last Cersei chapter that we know. And it's been such a long time. And so I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, no, totally. I want to read the darkest part of the chapter. Please. Just get right to it. And then there was no stopping the tears. This was right after she was imagining Malara. And it's taking a drink. The girl she threw down the well. And uh, it's when she started to break through and get really close to the hold fast and to the red keep. And she just didn't want to wait. Didn't want to keep walking. It was starting to overwhelm her. She was losing the grip that she'd had throughout the chapter. And it it was happening as close as she got closer to the end of it. More of the things that she was holding back was coming out of her. And then there was no stopping the tears. They burned down the queen's cheeks like acid. Cersei gave a sharp cry, covered her nipples with one arm. Up to this point, she had been not covering herself up. And then the moment that this happened, it was like a rooting reflex. It was like immediate, immediate action to protecting herself. They burned down the queen's cheeks like acid. Cersei gave a sharp cry, covered her nipples with one arm, slid her other hand down to hide her slit, Come on. <laughs> I get it. It's like better than saying, I bet he weighed a bunch of different, like, what do I call the female anatomy? What am I going to say? Yeah. I get it. Okay. But still, 
<laughs> so in this context. Especially because we just spent a lot of time watching documentaries about people at sci-fi fandom in yeah. the 80s. And so you can like see where the vibes are coming from. And then he writes something like that. 100%. <laughs> it just adds to the. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of a, a sharp, but also kind of like, ha Yeah, exactly. Like a uh, way to refer to it. And in this setting where it's kind of, it's really sad. It just kind of sticks out like a little bit, a little bit rough. Yeah. But it should be rough. But at the same time, it's really rough. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, we're supposed to be reviewing this, okay? <laughs> this is a podcast it's like, talking about it. like, why are really it. spending so much time <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's the whole point. Uh, slid her other hand down to hide her slit and began to run. <laughs> Just thought of a person I knew that had an unfortunate name. Go to our, join our Patreon, subscribe to Squadcast. I'll tell you about it. Uh, shoving her way past the, <laughs> you got to pay for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Even I don't know that one. Oh boy! Shove other hand to hide her slit and began to run, shoving her way past the line of poor fellows, crouching as she scrambled crab-legged up the hill. Partway up, she stumbled and fell, rose, then fell again ten yards farther on. The next thing she knew, she was crawling, scrambling uphill on all fours like a dog as the good folks of King's Landing made her way for her, laughing and jeering and applauding her. Imagine watching that part of it. Ass up. Imagine watching that part of it. God. Imagine watching that part of it. That's what I was kind of saying at the beginning of the chapter is I feel like there's such an amazing balance between feeling for her and feeling the darkness and the pity and also the humor in it and also feeling like she deserves every second of it and also feeling on her side because she's feeling herself for a while to get through it. You know, all these very universal feelings that I feel like I just said feel 17 times, but George R. R. Martin does a really good job of. That's all this is. This chapter is not a lot of action, you know. It's just her. It's just what's in her head. What does he do a good job of? Making us uh, see every perspective at the same time. Mm, yeah. So this is a great chapter. It's not I, like riding a pirate ship, you know. It's walking naked in front of a bunch of people. It's different. Sure. Let's read the, I'm going to read the end. I'm going to read, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I want to describe after Cersei crawls up. She finally makes it. A shadow fell across them both. Jocelyn had put a blanket around her. Blotting out the sun, the queen felt cold steel slide beneath her, a giant, a pair of great armored arms lifting her off the ground lifting her up into the air as easily as she had lifted joffrey when he was still a babe a giant thought cersei dizzy as he carried her with great strides toward the great the gatehouse she had heard the giants could still be found in the godless wild beyond the wall that is just a tale am i dreaming no her savior was real eight feet tall or maybe taller with legs as thick around as trees he had a chest worthy of a plow horse and shoulders that would not disgrace an ox his armor was plate steel enameled white and bright as a maiden's hopes and worn over gilded mail 
A great helm hid his face. From its crest streamed seven silken plumes over the rainbow colors of the faith. A pair of golden seven-pointed stars clasped in its billing cloak at the shoulders. A white cloak. Dot, 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 dot. Cersei never saw where Kyburn came from, but suddenly he was there beside them, scrambling to keep up with her champion's long strides. Your grace, he said, it's so good to have you back. May I have the honor of presenting our newest member of the Kingsguard? This is Sir Robert Strong. Sir Robert, Cersei whispered as they entered the gates. If it please your grace, Sir Robert has taken a holy vow of silence, Kyburn said. He has sworn that he will not speak until all of his grace's enemies are dead and evil has been driven from the realm. Yes, thought Cersei Lancer, or thought Cersei Lancer. Oh, yes. So I guess that answers our question about what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much I think sums you nailed Kyber's yeah. energy perfectly. <laughs> that pretty much sums up uh, everything we've been trying to say. I love that, dude. He plays so well. Mm-hmm. So well. He goes, he has, uh, if it please your grace. Yeah. He's taken a vow of silence. He has sworn that he will not speak until his grace's enemies are dead and evil has been drawn, driven from the realm. <laughs> it's the perfect thing he could say in that moment. Really? To her, yeah, for sure. Would it not be more perfect if he was like, listen, we're going to kill those bastards. They're going to die. No, because it's more, it feels, there's more weight behind it. He's taken a vow of silence until he can, until he can do this for you. What if he was like, he's, he can't talk because I've made him in a lab? Nah, no. We like the mystery. Okay. Okay. Why? <laughs> Let me tell you the other things about the way she describes Sir Robert Strong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's this guy's deal? You know. I get it. Y'all know. I get it. He knows what's going on. No Jamie. All right, Jamie. She's got a new man. With a chest worthy of a plow horse. <laughs> Shoulders that an ox would. He's cold sounding though. Would like. So. so there we have it. The last Cersei chapter in Dance of Dragons, and there's no published wins chapters for her. So we really get this cliffhanger, and the momentum is still moving forward very swiftly, but we get cut off, which I think is a great way to end the chapter. We didn't talk about the shame bells one time. Oh, we didn't? What's there to say? Well, that's one of those things that I feel like is such, uh, has become such a cliche in this whole thing. Everybody. What's wrong with cliches? There's nothing wrong with cliches. You were fine with cliches when Robert Strong was lifting Cersei up. (laughs) (laughs) There's absolutely nothing wrong with cliches. I'm just saying that all of that is implied as part of this. Shame. I want to rewatch. So we, before we sat down to record, I was like, should we rewatch the scene in the show? And you were like, no, I don't want it to color Mm-hmm. The reading. Me personally, you could watch it. No, I think that was a good. I think that was a good call, but I might watch it after this just because I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. And I remember it being good. Let's give our owns. I have two. Good. I think you should go first because mine's really short. Okay. Okay. Here we go. This is uh, Cersei talking about. Lawless. Stokeworth. If that pale, soft, stupid creature could incite the animals when fully clothed, how much more lust would a queen inspire? (laughs) (laughs) You got a point there, Cersei. Ready? Own two. But one day I will have your tongue ripped out with hot pincers, and that would be hilarious. That will be hilarious. Hilarious is the perfect word to use in that situation. Yeah. Very modern seeming Mm -hmm. she knows what's up 
What do you got? I got just another one of her inner monologue moments. The queen walked on clad in only goose prickles and pride. Mm. As she, it's cold and people are throwing things at her and all she's got is her pride and those little goosebumps that you get. I thought that was a really good summary of kind of everything. So those are our owns. And now we're on to yours. We had a bunch that came in from Twitter this past week for this chapter. Do you want to just go over the one? Shout out I'll Twitter. Sorry to talk all the crap we did about you guys. I know. <laughs> yeah, we ago. did. Last time we were like, Instagram forever, Twitter sucks. And then nobody <laughs> sent any owns on Instagram and everybody sent their owns in it's on Twitter. because Hannah insisted on posting a okay. picture of Cersei walking naked on in our Instagram story. So First check of all, it out, y'all. <laughs> it was on our story. You couldn't see anything. It was all blurred out. It it's was true. just like her head and her legs, true, but basically. It was so suggestive. I thought it was a great post. It was a great post. I think you killed it. I, the only thing I would have improved it, the only thing I would have done to improve it is to use the unedited one and to have the the call for owns just perfectly cover up the oh nudity. yeah that would have been good yeah you've it, really been coming for me all week about that pit post bad. that i made on instagram <laughs> though um but coming from twitter first we have jill kate who says own to george r. r martin for his ability to make my heart pound with the force of all cersei's anxiety and failings as if they were my own inside her head is a terrifying place at best of times and it's a true horror show during her walk of atonement mm-hmm. well said jill travis cole straight savage cole my own goes to Tyrion, who is still living inside Cersei's head with jokes about King Baylor being afraid of his own cock. Baylor the Blessed? I think not. God, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I also love how GRM wrote this chapter with Cersei seeing all of these people she had wronged in her life, such as Ned, Sansa, and Lady. I'm glad Lady got a shout out too. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that was her atonement more so than anything else. Mm. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's mm. like she's walk. It's like um the ghost, the Christmas carols when he goes and sees the ghosts of Christmas past mm-hmm. and he looks through. Interesting. Next, we have Rune Fair, who says, Own to Kyburn for bringing his long-teased, monstrous creation to the scene. Favorite detail. In the beginning of the chapter, seeing the steel razor made Cersei shiver, and she felt and she felt it icy cold in the place of Jamie, her lover and champion. Then at the end, carried to safety, she felt beneath the cold steel armor of her new champion, Sir Robert. Oh, that's a really good... Um, that's a really good like alloy connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. alloy and temp. Smart, yeah. To the to the the comfort from the beginning and end, before mm-hmm. and after the change. KT Young, my own goes to Cersei for touching a lion and getting lion kisses. Your turn, she told him afterward. Pull his mane, I dare you. He never did. I should have had the sword, not him. Hashtag Cersei the Bold. Thanks, Twitter. And we have an email from Mike from England. Thanks, Mike. Shout out to England. Mike's own. My own of this chapter goes to. Look at this one, a whore called from a brothel window, lifting her skirts to the men below. It's not had half as many cocks up it as hers. No, no, of course, it's not that my real own. Okay. <laughs> no, no, of course, it's not that. My real own goes to. Cersei cried out in pain. I asked for sandals. She spat at Septa and Nella. You could have given me sandals. You could have done that much. The night wrenched at her arm again as if she were some common serving wench. Has he forgotten who I am? She was the queen of Westeros. He had no right to lay rough hands on her. The balls on her to spit at Septa and Nella for not giving her sandals is a level of sass I could only hope to have. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, for your Thanks, email. Mike. And good luck getting out of bed at 5 a.m. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> it's rough. Going to the service at the Great Septa Baylor. 
Rise and grind, baby. <laughs> if you want to send in your own, either for this chapter or for any other chapter, you can find us all across social. You can find us all across social media. You can find us on Instagram at Game of Bones, at Twitter at Game of Bones, or if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to contact at gameofbones.com. You can leave a review for us on iTunes. Five stars will do. Thank you very much. We're uh, on Spotify and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts, but you already know that. You're listening here. If you made it this far. <laughs> yeah, if you made it this far. <laughs> what do we got, we got next it? week? Next week is Tyrion 12. It's the last Tyrion. Very exciting. From one As we to roll the through the end. Yes. You can find our reading order at thefeastwithdragons.com. If you want to follow along, if you want to get caught up. We're almost at the end of this adventure, and many more await us in the future. But for now, we're still coursing through a feast with dragons. The last thing I'll say is if you are looking for more content, if you want our podcast, Squad of Ice and Fire, where we mostly just record us hanging or talking about other things, or if you would like to listen to Zach's solo podcast where he starts he has started to reread the series from the very beginning. You can find all that on our Patreon at patreon.com slash goo. Patreon.com slash goo. This was fun. was looking forward to this for a while. Me too. This and is such a great chapter. I had a really good time talking about it. Thanks to everyone who listened to us hanging out. Unless you got something else. I got nothing. Looking forward to Tyrion's last chapter. See you on the next one. Bye.